What's happening, everyone? What's going on? Hope you're all doing well. It's me, Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to write us a review at the end of the episode. We always appreciate your feedback. We are part of Pantheon Podcast Network, official network of Metallica. So check out their podcast on our platform. And don't forget to check out all the other great music-related podcasts on Pantheon Pods. You can search up anything you want, pretty much. You know, discussions on vinyl, discussions about Kiss, discussions about you name it, they got it. So you can follow Pantheon Podcasts on all three social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same with the Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. Just search up the Hook Rocks. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone and you can enjoy all the previous ones we've had some really good great episodes recently we just (laughs) celebrated the life of eddie van halen on the third year of his passing with la guns guitarist tracy gunn such an incredible raw conversation tracy shares details about their friendship the impact eddie had on his life and the day he learned that he had died and it's pretty uh it's light and it's heavy at the same time and i think you'll enjoy it don't forget to also check out our quarterly album review where we rank the top 10 albums of the last three months really focus on a lot of new artists and a lot of new rock bands that's primarily what we do obviously there's some legacy artists on my list and others who are part of the groove council which is the music group that i belong to Also, check out Wendy Dio, the conversation with her, the widow of Ronnie James Dio, talking the special edition of the documentary Dreamers Never Die, and some great new music spotlights, too, as well. We had Aaron Jones. We had Labros G from 1000 Mods. We had Brett Emmons from the Glorious Sons and many more. So please enjoy all of those. And again, thank you for always tuning in because we've got a great episode for you today. It's time to spark up and do some token because we're going to be talking about the genre that people really either don't know about or are afraid to know about because of the name of it, because everyone's kind of like, what's that all about? And it's stoner rock. And more or less what stoner rock is to me is black Sabbath, deep purple influenced 
hard rock, heavy metal that has those big swip, sweeping riffs and, you know, a little bit of a darker tone on the melodies and on, and on the song structure. So we're going to get into it with another member of the Groove Council we've never had on before. And his name is Rich, and you can follow him at Fuzzdoom Riff on Twitter. And Rich has got some other stuff going on, too, as well. He's uh writes for Musicpedia Metal, Musicpedia O Metal, and Doom Charts. So he's a contributor to both of those. So please uh, give him a follow, and you'll see all his information in the notes of the episode. What's happening, man? How are you? No, I'm pretty good. Happy to be here, Jay. Excited to uh, have a chance to to chat with you about uh, one of the genres I'm, I'm most passionate about at this point. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a great genre. It's really misunderstood, I believe, by a lot of people because it's never really been clearly defined. It was given a label. This music was given a label, and with that comes a lot of ideas of what it is about. But as I said in the beginning here, it's really, I mean, if you like Black Sabbath and you like Deep Purple and you like hard, groovy, hard rock and heavy metal without the growling, without the screaming, you are a stoner rock fan pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'd even take it to, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about where I think it all came from. And, and full disclosure, I'm not a, like a historian or expert of this. It's just one of the genres I'm most passionate about. As you know, looking at my top 10 lists of the quarter, um, as I pollute the, uh, the, that list with uh, all of my stoner and doom rock. But to me, I think I attach to it mostly because of, you know, me coming up in my, kind of formal musical years of, of the, the late eighties, early nineties, when grunge came about, like I, I, you can't not hear Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and some of those bands and a lot of what the, the stoner rock genre brings today. Um, so yeah, I, I would double down on, yeah, Sabbath, Deep Purple, absolutely. But if you, you know, came from that nineties time and you're a fan of those bands, you're going to hear it in here because I would bet if you surveyed any of the bands that fall under that stoner rock genre, they're going to say they love Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Um, and, and it's for all those reasons. It's the riff, it's the down tuning, it's the, the atmosphere that they bring. Um, so, you know, and, and obviously those bands are very influenced by bands like Sabbath and Deep Purple. So I think there's a definitely a synergy there between like what you would call grunge and what you would call stoner rock today. Yeah, it's it's really because heavy metal has kind of changed and evolved over time as well. Like heavy metal, when you and I were growing up, was Priest and Maiden, Ozzy came from Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Zeppelin came from that. Now heavy metal is a lot more growling. It's a lot more progressive in a lot of ways, too, as well. Um, You know, you got the double kick bass drums that are just... And that's metal, what metal has evolved to. Yeah. I look at these bands, I know you mentioned Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, but when we get into some of these bands like Lachinga, you got their t-shirt on, you know, during the interview, 1000 Mods, um, 
who I just saw a couple weeks ago, this is really what metal was prior to thrash really having come in and kind of, I don't want to say stealing the genre, but really overtaking the genre. Cause that's what metal really has become. But if you look at all that metal in the early eighties, especially from the new wave of British heavy metal, late seventies, early eighties, there's a lot of similarities to what these bands do musically, but also for those that know the history of the new wave of British heavy metal, there was bands all over the place. Yeah. That genre. Like there were so many bands. Like if you, I've spent so much, I've spent a lot of money on, you know, old vinyl and, and special edition CDs that have been reissued on these stoner rock bands that came out in the late seventies, early eighties and bands. I still, I'm still discovering. And here with stoner rock, you know, you turn around, there's, there's a new band, there's a different band, there's this band. And it's very, I mean, music, rock music in general is underground. This is like really underground. I mean, it really, yeah. that's kind of the excitement with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Lachinga. I, I just, uh, I just, the, the review I did for their new album for Musipedia Media, Musipedia of Metal just dropped. And I think I mentioned ACDC. I mentioned, uh, Priest. I mentioned Maiden in that review. And, and to your point, like, the new wave of British heavy metal stuff went in all sorts of directions. I think stoner rock today, where back in the day when bands like Caius and, and Sleep started, it was, it was, you knew what a stoner rock band was. Today, I think that bands in the, the doom, the psych rock, the space rock, the acid rock, that all kind of seems to now be falling under what you would call stoner rock. Which is again, I agree with you, a terrible name for for what it is, because a lot of us old guys don't go near any of that stuff anymore. You know, <laughs> it's more the music than it is the, uh, the 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 stuff that goes around with it. Um, but but like, if I look at like my top ten stoner rock albums of the year this year, it's every place. It's all over the place. It's like it's doom. It's um, uh, a couple of psych rock bands. Um, it's it's. Um, even a cult rock, it kind of falls in that with, uh, with, with something like the new blood ceremony album. So there's a lot going on. Um, and, and whereas you would be able to say, Oh, you know, just by the first couple of chords and, you know, and the riff that plays you, this is a stoner rock band. Now it's just, there's a lot of that all over the place. Um, and it's become way more branched out. The, the thing I'd say about like, you know, just going back to the, to the, the, the Sabbath and deep purple side of it. What I hear from a lot of these bands, um, I hear in addition to, to, to Sabbath and, and deep purple, I hear cream on some of cream's heavier stuff. I hear Hendrix. Um, I, the number one, which I think is the, the biggest kind of starter influence would be blue cheer. Um, but I hear like Blue Oyster Cult as well. And I think one of the most underrated guitarists who people steal from in this genre all the time is Leslie West from Mountain. Like I hear so much Mountain in this music, almost as much as I hear Sabbath. And, you know, I, there's something to be said about how much Leslie West has brought to this genre. But that's why I enjoy it so much, because I think to me, Stoner Rock is way more than what it was. And it just branches out everywhere and touches a lot of different styles and, 
and different kind of thoughts on music. That's so interesting because now I totally hear Mountain. I never thought of that before you said that because I love Mountain. And now I'm hearing all the riffs and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that, there's a lot of Mountain influence in this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, um, I'm trying to remember, remember who did the cover. Um, but I heard a cover of, uh, Never in My Life by Mountain by, by, and it'll, it'll come to me. And that's kind of where I made the connection. I always loved Mountain. Um, but I didn't like make the connection that well, these guys are just, uh, if it wasn't Iomi, it's Leslie West who they're stealing from. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously in the, in the nicest and, and most, you know, respectful way. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I hear a lot of what would be, you know, stoner rock today, generating from, you know, Mountain, Sabbath. And then if you listen to a lot of the early Blue Cheer, you'll, you'll hear a lot of that in, in, in that as well from, you know, the garage rock, but there's, there's, there's a, you know, that, that semblance of what stoner rock has turned into from them as well. Yeah. That, I, I, that kind of just knocked me on, you know, on my butt there for, <laughs> Now, now I'm like, now I'm totally hearing mountain and like everything that I know about, about stoner rock. Where does the name come from? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, a lot of what I have learned has come from uh turbo from the groove council. So he might be a good follow up on here, but, but I mean, generally speaking, you know, the, the, the a lot of the bands that came up there, when you look at a band like sleep, sleep, um, you know, members of high on fire now the band that, that others might know but they put out uh, a couple albums that would probably be considered along with Caius like the first real stoner rock album and they had an album that was a one long song called called dope smoker um so i know that a lot of that um you know kind of what stoner rock is today came from that uh very heavily influenced um obviously from a you know, a, a marijuana standpoint. Um, and, and I just think it became kind of the music of the people who were the, you know, the, the heads. So you would say, you know, the, the hippies might have been before that. But I think Stoner Rock is where some of the, the, the people kind of gravitated to just because of the vibe, because of the, the scene, because of the people involved in it, because of the 70s influence of the music. Um, it kind of morphed into that. Um, but, but sleep definitely had a, um, uh, an influence on, on how and why we're calling it stoner rock today. And I bet you they they don't love that either. Uh, being, being, you know, kind of, uh, associated just with calling that though, maybe I'm wrong considering they just did a repress of dope smoker and it actually had marijuana in the pressing of the vinyl. Uh, it sold out in like a minute. So, you know, maybe you like, like in, in the in the art scheme of the actual vinyl, there was marijuana in there. Yeah. Yeah. They dropped it in there. It was from Third Man Records and uh, it sold out in like one minute. And uh, yeah, it actually had uh, real life marijuana in the uh, the pressing of the vinyl. So, um, you know, that's my understanding of of, of where that kind of that came from and and you know when you listen to bands today obviously there's still a lot of influence from sleep and again Caius being one of those other bands but the interesting thing about a band like Caius and a band like Fatso Jetson while they're part of the stoner rock um community they went in a little bit of a different direction because of where they were from where they went and recorded and they were more desert rock 
very similar in 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 uh, styles today, and you'll hear desert rock and stoner rock. I think use um, you know kind of as as the same kind of genre. But because of where these bands lived, and they went out in the desert, they went out in Burning Man, they recorded out there, uh, and that became kind of a genre in, in itself. So um, I think Sleep and Kaya started that, and just the vibe, you know, and, and, and the names and what came in from a content standpoint, uh, those two bands are what really brought the stoner into the stoner rock. When we talk about desert rock, there's also doom metal, stone rock. What are really the differences between the three? Like what what defines yeah. them in terms of sound? It's it's interesting. There's definitely a lot of crossover. Um, if traditionally, you know, stoner rock would be when I say upbeat, I would say tempo wise faster. Um, doom would be more you know slower riffs, slower tempo. Um, you know, in a very simplistic. Um, comparison of black sabbath songs black sabbath the song doom paranoid maybe more paranoid uh and i'd be um um sweet leaf more on the stoner side of it so very high level generally speaking i would use those two songs as my comparison of what doom would be versus what stoner would be um you know doom you get a lot of uh bands like venom back in the day uh, who also obviously worship Sabbath. Um, and then you get, in, as you go into the 70s and 80s, you get bands like Trouble, who are one of my favorite bands of all time. Chicago which, band. And, yeah, I mean, exactly. And But if you listen to Trouble, Trouble started out as, as kind of a, a Christian doom band. They had, you know, slow tempo songs, uh, that kind of slower, doomy atmosphere. And then they said, you know, let's see what else we can do here hooked up with Rick Rubin, who did wonders with so many other bands, and they became way more of like a psych 70s stoner band with their self-titled and my favorite out, second favorite album of all time, Manic Frustration. So that's, again, where there's a lot of this crossover where you'll get a band that I'll do a review for and I'll be like, stoner doom psych band such and such, because they're touching all sorts of those aspects but the you know consistently you're going to get the riffs you're going to get a lot of the the down tooting um, and and stuff like that across the stoner and the the doom side of things so um, a lot of crossover a lot of consistency there and a lot of bands who are doing both of those things um, you know and doing it well today and and I have a lot of really good examples like a band like Hell the Void who I would consider a stoner doom band who is right now in, in the top three of albums of, of the year for me. They're doing a little bit of all of that. Desert rock though, is really a direct offshoot of stoner rock though, you know, and, and I talked to Carl Spackler from Lachinga recently, and he kind of made mention of like the differences. There's a little bit of air in the notes. There's not as much, you know, the, the, it's a little bit more of a different tuning sometimes as well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say so. And, and hearing that from a musician is going to be a kind of a different point of view. Uh, to me, I get a little bit of it, the vibe to me is different. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely not a musician. I couldn't play a thing if you asked me to, and if it was tambourine or triangle. So my point of view is, is kind of more... Uh, the, 
it's more of a vibe and it's really hard to explain exactly. But if you listen to, um, if you listen to a band like Queens of the Stone Age or the early Queens of the Stone Age or, or, or Caius or, um, Fu Manchu who are from out West, um, there's a vibe there that I get from, from the music. That's a little bit different than what I would call like a, a, a you know, traditional stoner rock. And I don't think there's anything scientific to it. I think to me, it's more of, of the vibe, the band, you know, where they're all coming from. Um, you know, you listen to a band like Yawning Man, who was one of the, I would say the first, like, one of the first, like, desert, desert instrumental bands. Um, and then you listen to a band like Clouds Taste Satanic, who are from the Northeast. Um, to me, not being a musician, there's a different vibe there. Uh, between those two types of bands, a band like Fatso Jetson, who was very involved early on in the desert rock scene, you might not hear any of the stoner rock, but they definitely are part of the desert rock family. Uh, I'm probably not like giving very specific explanation here that's going to help anybody <laughs> determine that. Uh, but can't wait to hear what what uh, the Lachinga Boys had to say about that. But to me, you know, not being a musician, it's more vibe than anything else. Um, you know, you listen to something like the, the Desert Sessions where. You know, some of the Queens of the Stone Age guys brought together all these people, went out in the desert and recorded just some crazy stuff. Um, you know, it's just got a vibe to it that's a little bit different. Is the focus more on the vibe and the sound versus the melody? It, you know, I think so. Like, if, to me, you listen to the new... Um, Fire Down Below album. Um, the new Fire Down Below album, you know, it, it's, it's their third, uh, it's on Ripple Music and we can talk about some labels in a little while, uh, that, that I think are the, the best labels in music. But there's something about that album. They're not from California. That's for sure. They are from the furthest you can probably get from California. Um, but there's something in that vibe of the music that to me, I think of West Coast. I think of, um, I, I think of Desert Rock and they're doing this, you know, the name of the album is Low Desert Surf, Low Desert Surf Club, but they're from Belgium. Um, so you, you might be onto something there with, with the, with that, but you know, the, the vibe of these bands, like I, in this review, I, I call out the Caius and Fu Manchu vibe and it's almost, to me, coastal, uh, with, with some of this, like, just like, you know, you, you listen to back in the day, uh, obviously again, not a, not a, uh, hip hop guy, but you have the East Coast, West Coast stuff and you could tell the difference. I can tell a difference personally, um, just from where the band is, where the band is from based on, on how they sound. And to me, the West Coast vibe, you get more on the desert side and the East Coast vibe, a little bit more, uh, darker and a little bit more chuggier, I guess you could say, would be uh, more on the stoner rock side. What are some of the bands or who are some of the bands that are kind of at the top of the genre right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have probably heard us all freak out about Sasquatch a lot. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, to me, I would say probably the um, the stoner rock band right now. Um, if you look at their whole catalog and, and, and their sound and where they come from, 
Um, I, I would call out Sasquatch as one of those bands. Uh, I would also say a band like Freedom Hawk, who they were actually my, my album of the year last year, uh, is another band that I would say would be a perfect example of, of, of what a stoner rock band at the top of their game would be. I'd also say Valley of the Sun is another one. Um, I'm sure you, you get to see all of these on your, on your quarter lift. Um, uh, but then you also get bands like King Buffalo and King Buffalo, while they're in the stoner rock genre community, I heard people compare King Buffalo to, to Prague, to Tool, to Smashing Pumpkins even. Um, but King Buffalo is, is, has blown up and they're huge. Um, the biggest band who I think you could still call a stoner rock band, well, I, I would go to Queens of the Stone Age, who put out an amazing album this year, and Clutch, who has done nothing but put out amazing music their entire career. Um, those two, I think, would be the, the biggest uh, stoner bands today. But, you know, there, there's so much. Um, I just happen to be looking at, uh, in case you ask me such question, I was just looking at kind of some of the other bands out there that have been in my top, like um, like uh, Cyclona, like Zom, um, bands like uh, Moon Coven, who um, right now is my, my number one album of the year. Those are all bands that um, are bands to watch that are ripping it up in, in, in uh, the Stoner Rock side of things. The new Lachinga gave it, gave it 10 out of 10. Uh, again, Lachinga, way different than a band like Wolf Fat, for example. Lachinga play three-minute ACDC inspired, you know, priest inspired rock songs where Will Fat play 12 minute, you know, jams, but they could be on the same bill without an issue. Um, so, you know, those are some of the bands that I would call out as, as some of my favorites today. Lachinga to me is a little bit more brighter than a lot of the stoner rock bands. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. I actually called them. The, the modern day ACDC is what I call them in my review. Um, I think they are more of like a, a rock and roll band, kick your door open, have them at a house party rock band. Uh, and debauchery begins when they start playing. Uh, I, I would, I would absolutely agree with that, but I don't think they would be out of place on a, a bill with, um, you know, a band like Baracko or a band like, uh, Wolfat who, lean way towards more of the stoner side of it, but everyone's going to have a good time when they're there. So I, I, I definitely get that, but I don't think it's too far off the path of, of these other bands that are out there as well. My introduction to stoner rock was Lachinga and 1000 Mods. I was listening to their music. I was listening to Lachinga's music. I don't know how I stumbled upon Lachinga and I love their stuff, Mountain Mama and all that kind of, you know, all the stuff that they had. Very Zeppelin-esque, you know, Blood Zeppelin 3 type of style. Um, and then the album ran out or stopped and 1000 Mods, Super Van Vacation was the, was the next album in the algorithm. And I heard Vitage and I was like, that band kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, uh, to me, Lachinga and 1000 Mods were part of the genesis of the Hook Rocks and that got me re- further grew my interest in, in new bands, new rock, not N-U-N-E-W, new rock music. And, <laughs> and 
I look back and, you know, I was thinking about doing a show on the bands that like got me off my ass to start this podcast. And those two are certainly in the conversation. And I didn't really know what the stoner rock genre was at the time. I was just like, this is really cool. When thousand mods is badass, and you know, whatever. And then I saw, oh, there's stoner rock. I'm like, dude, this is like old school metal. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what, yeah. stuff, you know, you know what I mean? And, 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 um, being able to see 1000 mods a couple weeks ago for the first time, I had never seen them live. Absolutely fantastic. Valley of the sun was the opener. There were a couple other bands too on the bill. Valley of the sun. I listened to, but I never really connected with them until that show. Cause I was like, man, these guys are badass, totally badass. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I think if, if it was just called hard rock, or heavy metal, I think, in my opinion, the audience would be must much more greater than it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I saw somebody—I forget who it was—but there was a there was a post on on in, in Twitter, and they're like, "People are making fun of Stoner Rock. Uh, they don't take it seriously." I'm like, "What do you What do you mean?" And they're like, "You know, like, it's silly. What's, what what kind of name is that?" Um, I totally agree with you. Like to get people to like, if somebody asked me in my job, in my everyday life, like you know, what, what kind of music do you listen to? And I say stoner rock, they're going to number one thing that, you know, I just go home and I spend my days, you know, with my gigantic bong taking hits off of it. And, you know, just staring at the, my, my black light posters, listening to, uh, to, to, to metal. Um, but just in general, it's not a good explanation of what, kind of music it is right it's it's you know some of the other you know even like you know obviously power metal and uh even doom you can get an idea of what that is right um the stoner rock you don't get that sound grunge I, you know i kind of understand what it's going to sound like when i say grunge but yeah there it's it's not the best description it's not the best way to to get it get it out there like to, amongst the masses um but like you listen to, there's a band called Mount Atlas out of um, out of Germany, and if you listen to that, I can't, I would not understand if 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 you just gave that album to people who like rock music, and it wasn't called Stoner Rock or it wasn't called whatever. I mean, it's so catchy. It's it's the songs are like you know they're they're three to four minute pop you know rock songs. Nothing that you have to you know commit too much time to but it's just so good and i think it gets lost how good some of these bands are because they fall into what some might call a silly label of of stoner rock do you think the the label of the genre tried to capitalize on the modern acceptance of marijuana i don't know and i say that because the that depends when you when you when you consider the modern acceptance happening right because you know those sleep albums came out a while ago uh when i don't i don't you know though it definitely wasn't legal anywhere even medicinally uh but obviously always been you know a very <laughs> a very popular uh pastime for sure um so i don't know i i don't i don't think i get that connection now it to me you know, any kind of rock is stoner rock because everyone can get access and it's legal places and walk around San Francisco this week. All I smelled was marijuana. Uh, people smoking on the corner, which is a, a whole new, um, 
vibe for me coming from Florida and, and, and honestly, I don't know if I'm exposing too much and I'm going to disappoint people here. I've never been a huge, huge weed smoker. Um, so it's, you, you almost have the ability to ostracize people who are not weed smokers and be like, Oh, do I, do I, is that how I enjoy it? Is that, you know, I think, do I need to, to smoke weed to understand what this music is all about when it's really just really great straight ahead heavy rock and roll or heavy metal. Um, you know, so I, to me, it's almost a, a reversal of that. To me, I think it hurts because it will occupy people who are not into it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm one of the different people there who never been a huge weed guy, but to me, this music is, is the best music that I've had the most passionate about since, you know, the early nineties. I have noticed that about the fandom with Stoner Rock, very loyal fan bases, like very dedicated to the genre, very dedicated to the bands. Um, you know, when you get into just mainstream rock, if that even exists today, there's very little loyalty, right? It's all about the most popular song and they don't, you know, mostly, you know, the music consumers don't know the deep cuts and whatnot. You go to a stoner rock show and I hate to use that term. I went to the 1000 mods Valley of the sun show and these fans are hardcore. Like they get into it. They, they love the bands and there's an energy at those shows. That's different than the other rock shows I go to. You know what? It kind of reminds me of some of the punk scene that I've been a part of. Because back in the day, I was, you know, and I was very involved in, you know, I, with a lot of the, the punk rock. And, and the cool thing about that was that you could go to a show and you could talk to these guys. And they were normal dudes. They were sitting at the merch table. Um, they would hang out. Um, and you made that connection. Like the, the 2023 version of that is you're on whatever we're calling Twitter or Facebook or whatever that is. And these bands are like corresponding with you. Like I've had discussions with Lachinga, with Zom, with uh, Age of Truth, uh, with Restless Spirit. These are all bands that, you know, I really dig that are cool. They're just cool guys. They talk to you. They interact with you. And I think that helps the, the vibe of just being into what they're, what they're bringing. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Um, and, and I, I didn't, you, you know, with, with some of the big bands back, you know, when, when the nineties came in the, in the two thousands, I don't think that vibe was all that much there. It still remained, uh, I think a lot in, in some of the punk rock stuff. I went to a, a show with a, obviously not the Stoner Rock side, but Jeff Rosenstock, who's made a big kind of deal lately on Twitter with his points of view on, on venues and, and taking uh, merch cuts. But um, he played a show, and I hung out with him, talked to him. Uh, my buddy took pictures with him. He's just out there, and he's the headliner of the show, just hanging out and talking. And and, and that's the vibe, and, and that gets me even more excited and more interested in the music that, that they're bringing. Um, I don't want to not like a band because they're dicks, but – it's happened before where, uh, you know, either they're, I was off put by them or they just ignored or, and, and the vibe's just not there. I think that these bands are so cool with their fans that it makes the fans even more passionate for their music. Yeah, I agree. In, in my dealings with, you know, Labros from 1000 Mods or Carl from Lachinga, always very accommodating. Um, I had a great conversation with Labros, even though there were some technical difficulties during the show um, on the podcast. But then later that night, you know, I sat and chatted with him for about 10, 15 minutes. And, and uh, you can't help but root for a guy like that and a band like that because they're so engaging. And then Valley of the Sun after the show at the merch table, you know, talking with their fans, individually shaking hands. And a lot of new bands do do that, uh, which is quite different than what music was when we were growing up but um yeah it, it it's it's a different dynamic at, at one of these shows because you have a you know I'll, I'll speak to 1000 mods you have a band that's from greece right when have we ever when have we ever known about a band from greece right that got into our brains and our ears and listening and all that stuff I don't remember a rock band or a metal band from Greece prior to that. And then they come to America and they have this engaged fan base that is, you know, lo loves them. I mean, they wouldn't be able to come here and tour unless there wasn't an engaged fan base. That's the thing. And, you know, Labro shared about a, a lot about the cost these days compared to when they last toured America. It's a lot more expensive now outside of the cost of gas and lodging and all that stuff. There's a lot more cost with visas and application fees and stuff like that. But they're just, I mean, one of the things I think that gets lost because of the name, because people don't really pay attention is I think people immediately label these bands in a lack of musicianship. Yeah. Right. When I saw Valley of the Sun and a thousand mods, like that's like not even uh, lack of musicianship. You gotta be kidding me. These guys were phenomenal. You know, yeah. the guitar player Valley of the Sun 
phenomenal guitar player. Guitar player for 1,000 mods, phenomenal guitar player. They're all great musicians. Yeah, and, and you, you, like any other genre, you get some of those 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 bands that are, you know, not that. But yeah, the majority of these, like, I, I listen to, obviously, I listen to a lot of, of new music, you know, writing for uh, Musipedia Metal, uh, as a Doom Chart contributor, I listen to, I, I don't know, uh, sometimes triple digits of new albums um, a month. And the musicianship, the guitar playing, the, 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 just the rhythm. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you hear. Um, and, and one more, you know, one better than the other. It's crazy. If you listen to the new stepmother album, the band out of, um, Australia, um, the guitarist in, in stepmother just rips it up and it's like, wow, um, I, where did you come from? Uh, and, and, and it's just, it's just amazing. Um, one after the other because, you know, it's not simple stuff. It's not like three chords. It's not just, you know, going out there and, and, um, you know, singing about weed. There are bands who do that. Um, and full disclosure, I don't love the bands that are the weed worship bands. There are ones out there. There are a couple that I like and enjoy. Um, which again is, is, you know, I'm looking at my list of, of albums from, you know, September that are on my list and all of them are just like, I'm not looking at any of them that are that, that that can't really go out there and hold their own musically with any other bands that are out there. Um, you know, like Dead Feathers and Fire Down Below, just amazing musicians. Uh, and and yes, again, I think the name cheapens the skill level that these guys have. But uh, you know, talking about your your experience at that Valley of the Sun Thousand Mod show, like I watched some of the videos at Ripple Fest with with Sasquatch and just everyone singing along all the words. To, to Sasquatch songs. And that's something that you expect from a band that has a bunch of radio pits and whatnot. But like, you know, the, the passion for that type of band is, um, it's pretty amazing to watch. It gives you goosebumps when you watch those videos. It makes sense though, because look at how old school metal connected with people back in the late seventies to mid eighties, the priest, the maidens, the Saxons, you know, the before MTV got a hold of the genre and glammed it up. You know, there was a, a darker tone, but it was, there was still musicianship with it. There was still, you know, singing where you could understand it didn't sound like Cookie Monster, you know, and, and I, that music connected with people our age at the time, you know, the, the, I mean, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, was every kid was listening in the neighborhood. So it makes sense. When you talk about people singing along to these songs and people connecting and the loyalty, because the loyalty of of the fans are very similar to metal fans in general of, of back in the day and, and and thrash fans too as well. So it it may sound surprising to some people, but if you've actually been a part of that for as long as you and I have and and, and remember those days, to us, to you and I it makes complete sense. Yeah. I think a difference now also, when you come to look at uh, like loyalty and, and, and just being so dedicated to these bands are labels mean a lot to record labels now still like now again, record labels are, are important for a lot of these bands. And, and it's obviously a different vibe than what it was, you know, in seventies, eighties, nineties, when you know, in the eighties when everyone was was what every major label was trying to find every hair band that was out there, or the nineties where anybody from Seattle was being 
you know, you know, sucked up from, you know, to, to sign to a major. To me, it's more like sub pop and, and those types. You know, there are labels that people become huge fans of, me included. If something comes out on Ripple Music, I'm buying that. I don't, I, I trust in Todd from Ripple Music that what comes out on that label is something I'm going to enjoy. Um, you get labels like Heavy Psych Sounds or Small Stone or uh, Riding Easy. These labels are, you're as much dedicated and uh, love the label as much as you do the bands that are signed to that. So like, to me, that's a different vibe than, than some of those other areas when, when, you know, you had your majors, you also, but I, I think of it more around like the nineties indie rock scene when, you know, you had band, band on Sub Pop. Yeah. That, that band's going to be good. Band on Matador, um, band on, you know, any of those, um, indie rock labels that would, uh, you'd know the quality that you were getting in those bands. Um, so I kind of equate it to that, but even on a grander scale, because I would still think about who I was going to buy if, if, you know, something came out on Matador. I don't think about it, that I'm going to buy something if it comes out on Ripple or Riding Easy or Small Stone. Um, it's, it's a loyalty to a label that I have not seen in a very long time. That is interesting because I don't, I mean, I don't remember any loyalty to labels when I was listening to rock music. You know what I mean? Yep. There may have been that yep. same, again, I didn't live through it, but there may have been that during the new wave of British heavy metal in the UK back in the day too. I, I don't know. I can't, you know, I can only speak to what, to what I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I think back in the, you know, you know, Metal Blade was probably like that at one point yeah. early on. Um, but yeah, to me, I don't, I don't think, I, I can't think of a time either where, oh, this is on this label, I'm buying it. Um, and, and I have four or five labels that uh, that's how I think and operate. And, and a lot of the crew who I, you know, who, who is of similar mindset will, will feel the same way. Where it, you know TP Records is another one. If something comes out on TP, like the the new Stepmother record that came out, um, yeah, I obviously want to hear it first, but it's a really like a ninety five percent chance that that's coming home with me um, because I trust in the guys who run those labels. And again, such cool guys like um, like Todd from Ripple. I, I I am in constant contact with him just because he's a fan. Um, you know, the, the the guy who runs Small Stone Records is constantly on Twitter. He just responded to my, you know, a, a conversation I was having about the Who. Um, you know, at Riding Easy, you'll 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 get responses from them. Heavy Psych sounds not so much, but that's a, a different, a whole different animal. Um, but like again, like the guys who run the labels are fans, or they're musicians, or they understand, and that's something that I think also brought to the table. What's really cool about the genre is the names. The names are all interesting and badass. And you know, whether you talk about Wolf Fat or you talk about One Thousand Mods, which I still don't know how they came up with that name. Um, they've got really interesting names. They've got really interesting and cool album covers. Yeah, the art. Think of when you think of you and I growing up and going to the record store and looking at the Maiden covers and all that other, you know, all those other bands like that, there was always something interesting to look at. And for a long time, and it's starting to slowly come back, it went away from that. You are, like, engaged 
just by the album cover with a lot of these bands. And that's, what's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, there's, there's some jokes that there are like a stoner rock name generator that sometimes they get, you know, you just, you get to get, you know, black or witch or goat or, you know, some of those bands, some of those, those words that are witch that are constantly just a uh, part of some of these band names. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at the artwork for, for, I, I just happened to pull up the artwork for, for my top album so far this year. And it's, you know, it's, it's actually insane. It's, it's so cool. Um, you look at the, the, the cover for like, uh, the Mutoid Man album. Again, not really stoner rock, but adjacent to, um, crazy. The, the, the Green Yeti album, the, the, the artwork there. Um, it's just really cool. Um, and if you haven't seen them, um, there's a, a gentleman who runs, um, a site called Weedian and he does, um, he calls it, you know, the, the, basically he does a, a playlist that's available on Bandcamp of uh, bands from a certain region. So it'll be the trip to California or the trip to Pennsylvania, and it'll have anywhere from 20 to 60 tracks from uh, bands of the, that like, you know, the Doom Stoner Psych, you know, that type of stuff. And the artwork for those are just awesome. Like the artwork alone, never mind that it's a pay what you want, you know, comp with 60 really cool bands on it. The, the individual artwork that comes with it, uh, you know, I, I would suggest just go checking that out. Uh, and also, you know, I, I'm not paid by him or anything, but if you want a really cool subscription for five dollars a month, sign up for the the, the Weedian subscription he has, and you get free album codes, you get all this stuff, including the the trip to whatever region he's doing that for. Um, but the art is amazing, um, and and there's a new level of, I think. Um, respect that these bands have for the full package. And I think part of that comes from the fact that these bands sell a lot of physical merch. They sell vinyl, uh, they sell CDs. And now that that's like a real thing again, I think the focus on the art that comes with the music is kind of reborn at this point. Well, I'm here for that because that's to me, one of the greatest things and why, we have such a connection with music is because not only were we buying music, we were buying art too, as well. And you were engaged with the music, the liner notes, but you're also engaged with the album cover and the pictures on the back of it. It was a whole process. It was a whole experience. And that unfortunately, because of streaming, it, it really that's going away or it has gone away. And I think that's a lot of why music is in the state it's in because there is no physical, tangible connection with music anymore. Everything is point, click, and download, as I've stated several times on this on this podcast. And then it affects your psyche. It affects how you absorb it, and it affects how you connect with it. When it's nothing that you can hold or feel, it's just something that you can click and listen to. Yeah. Um, I know that one of our Groove Council members won't even consider an album for his his list unless he owns the physical uh the the physical album itself in cd or vinyl or in some capacity so it's i i feel very similar about that like i i i want that connection and it's great to stream it because i can stream it while i'm working i have it running in the background it's easier to do that 
But if I love something, it's, it's coming home with me. It's, it will be yeah. uh, a physical form in my collection. Absolutely. Age of Truth, Storner Rock Band or Metal Band? I would call them age. Uh, I would call Age of Truth a, a stoner band. Um, you could call them metal too. I just want to make sure we call them a band still. Um, yeah. And if you guys are listening, please make sure you figure it out because we love you. Um, I, I would say that they're they're more stoner than metal. I would put them, but I think you could go either way uh, with with them. But either way, they need to make more music. Yes, they do. Absolutely, they need to make more music. They're a fantastic band. And that really is a prime example of that old-school metal sound. Yeah. Now, when you listen to that, I mean, that is Priest, that is Dio, that is Sabbath, that is all that stuff in one bundle in, in Age of Truth. And I, you know, my my sweet spot is more blues-based rock, but that band kills it. That band yeah. is, is, is something special. And like you said, I hope they can figure it out and make more music because that band deserves to be heard and deserves to be enjoyed. Yeah, totally. They, um, <clears throat> yeah, whatever's going on there, I need, I need that to, to stop. Uh, <laughs> um, just, you mentioned kind of some of the, the, the old, old school metal and, and a lot of the sound there. One of the things that, you know, there's a lot of what you call proto metal. So like your, your 70, early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, hard rock, like a blue cheer. Um, that is, that influences a lot of what stoner rock is today. Um, if you get a, you know, a band like, like, um, like Buffalo, for example, um, and Cactus, uh, I would suggest to everybody who is into kind of the roots of metal. Uh, the roots of this genre check out on uh, riding easy records. They have uh, it's up to 17 um, volumes now, but it's called um, the Brown acid trip and there's 17 of them. And they're all of these kind of like hidden gem kind of Holy grail singles of bands that put out like just a one-off single or a lost album. But the sound that you get, you can, you can hear some of the other bands that became big in the late seventies, early eighties, uh, in the metal scene today. Um, I, when those come out on, on Ride Easy, I, I dive right in because I love hearing kind of the, the roots of what we love in the metal, uh, in the metal genre, in the stoner rock genre. So if you haven't heard any of those, um, they're awesome. Uh, they're so much fun. Uh, they do one for, um, for like early roots of thrash metal too called scrap metal. Um, but I, I really love the Brown Acid series because it, it kind of shows you how hard rock evolved through these bands, but they never made it big. But what they're doing was at the time cutting edge and extremely influential for, for what you hear in, uh, in heavy metal then and today. Yeah. It seems, you know, it's, it's evident that I think this genre would thrive more. If if there wasn't all these labels of subgenres, I I've never liked and cared for the subgenres. I mean, I, I think the farthest extent that I will accept is like alternative rock, you know. I mean, or or we call it grunge. I, I can get that because that actually was like a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. I think labeling a lot of this stuff and, and separating it, I think, is actually a detriment to a lot of the bands and a lot of the progress they want to make. I, I think, you know, we, we talked about Stoner Rock, how it kind of almost alienates you from people that want nothing to do with that stuff, but would probably love the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 We, yeah. I think I saw the other day, like a, like a post blackened doom thrash band. And I'm like, okay, cool. I have no idea what any of that means. Um, and I'm sure they don't either, but like, yeah, that like the sub to the sub to the sub genre, uh, trying to, to get down to that to me, um, this stuff is just all hard rock or metal, right? And some of it's blues based. Like you said, a lot of it has a, has a blues base. A lot of it is tied to seventies, uh, hard rock. Um, um, but it, it all kind of, you know, and I, I didn't you know. I, one of the other bands that I would say would be a, a huge influence here, but like Hawkwind. I was just um, going to say that. I was just going to yeah. say that in my head. It, it's, it's, you know, you know, Hawkwind, different than Sabbath, uh, you know, different than Deep Purple, but just as influential on, on the bands that we're calling Stoner Rock today. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, to me, I'm looking at my list of, of, of my top albums so far this year. And to me, it's all just like badass, uh, hard rock or metal with, with a, a few hardcore bands thrown in because, uh, you know, I, I can't escape my, my old hardcore roots ever. Where do you think the genre keeps evolving? Do you think it's it's going to be what it is? Do you think that there's a next step for the uh, for the genre for the bands? You know, it, it's it's interesting. That, uh, that's a really interesting question because yeah, I don't I don't know necessarily where you go or if you need to go anywhere too much next. I think there's a lot to be able to investigate just in, in what these bands are doing today. Um, I love how, um, you know, a band like, um, it, you know, Church of Misery comes out and they're from Japan and you know what you're getting and you got that and more, but they didn't, they didn't move too far from what they were doing. I, I think the fandom of this, genre at least in my opinion i don't think we're looking for something that is going to come in and like change the way we listen to music i think that there's a specific sound that we like i don't think necessarily to, to, to continue to be a fan of this genre we needed to to like exponentially grow musically because what the, there's so much that you can pull from that you don't have to now suddenly become um something that you were not before. And I also, you know, the one thing I, 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 I would love to, and Jay, you tell me if you've done the podcast on this before, but like the, the economics of these bands, right. Is this their, their day job? Is it not? But my point is like back when, you know, let's say in the, in the nineties, when, when you had the grunge bands um, that were very holistically doing what they loved, then maybe they got signed or they saw their buddies now having a hit. They had to do things to make hits or they might not be able to do this for a living any longer. Um, I don't think that pressure is definitely not there for these bands. They're not, you know, for the, for the majority of the ones that you're listening to the bands like clutch and, 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 
Queens of Stone Age, who are bigger writing, they could do whatever they want. Um, and these other bands tend to a, to a certain extent too, I think, do whatever they want. Cause I, I, I don't know how much financially is riding on their next album being make or break, um, you know, the bank for them, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I just don't know enough about that. Um, how it is, but I think the, the pressure is off to have a hit. So to me, these bands can just keep putting out the stuff that we love and the way that they do it and their style and have less pressure to change for what the, uh, the, the latest hot thing is, if that makes any sense. No, it does. There's a sense of freedom, I think, with these bands, and it doesn't sound like the labels really interfere a lot with their creative process. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. I think uh, the, the labels are, like I said, the, the, the ones that I, the labels I like the most are fans and they're just as excited to get, you know, uh, to hear what these guys are doing that we are. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think the pressure maybe more comes when, you know, ensuring that you're, you're signing a band that's going to tour or getting the, the, the music relatively quickly so you can put something out and you can, you know, start to turn that product around. But I don't think you're, you know, I, you always heard back in the day, like a band would put out an album together and they'd give it to the label and like, oh, there's no single here. You know, you know we're not going to release this. I think there's always stories about like Nirvana and, and in utero saying, you know, there's nothing here. We're not going to do this. This is not what we want. Uh, not what we were expecting. And I, I think there's lots of examples of, of those types of albums. I read a book on Blue Oyster Cult and they were consistently told that. Um so I don't think you're getting that from these labels. I think you're, you're getting the support, um, you know, as much as they can, because it's a small business. Uh, all these labels are. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think they're impeding the creative process all that much for for these guys. And that's good. You know, that that is um, it's nice to see a, a really a grassroots environment. Which is really what you have and in the genre between the bands, the labels in the audience. Um, I really appreciate that because as we know, things have gotten so, I don't even know what you'd call it. Things have gotten so out there in terms of things are not decisions. Decisions are now made by labels based on technology, based on what, what can make them the quickest buck, you know, the, the, the soonest, there's no vision. That's what I'm trying to say with a lot of these labels that we all grew up with the bands on Capitol and Warner brothers and all these other labels that are out there. And it, it seems to me, I'm familiar with small stone. I'm, I'm familiar with ripple that they actually do have a vision. Um, they do want bands to be on the label that they like which is, you know, is different than than it is in regular mainstream music. It's not essentially what people like. It's what's going to make people money. Yeah. And I think there's a, a, a romance there, you know, a little bit of a, uh, of, of, of a beauty in that, that, that still exists throughout all this chaos that the music business has become. Yeah. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know anything about the finances, but I would I'm pretty sure if you talk to Todd from Ripple, he would tell you that he's not doing this for the money. Um, I, I would, I know that he does it for the love of the music and, and the bands that he's putting out, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not getting rich off of this. And I would 
assume that with with the rest of those bad those labels too um where where you can make a living but you're not you know the, the, the you're not going to break the bank doing this you you have to be a fan you have to be invested in this not from you know invested not by financially obviously you're invested there but more just doing it for the love of the music uh and and I think that's where you get all this really great stuff. That's where like in September I had like 50 albums that I was considering for 25 uh, album lists uh, that I submit to doom charts every month because there's, that's how it is. It's, it's actually holistic. It's the the people who are involved in this from the label to the musicians are so um, passionate about what they do and they have so little to tell them, no, you can't do that or you can't do that. Um, that I think you get a more honest output from these bands. And, and I think the fans can feel that. Before we end, what's an album that you recommend? Uh, I would recommend the new Moon Coven album called Sun King. Uh, I would say that the album that I think would be the most surprising to people of how um, accessible would be would be Mount Atlas, uh, their new album called Poseidon. Um, there's a song called Alien Sunrise on there that should be a radio hit if there were the, such a thing these days. Um, and if you like, you know, some of the heavier stuff, uh, check out the the new Church of Misery album, um, Killer, um, and um, probably the new Formation Ritual album would be another one that I would suggest. Those are all going to be in my top ten this year. Um, so those would be uh, amongst so many other ones that I would uh, call off on the top of my head as ones to, to go check out. And again, like if, if, if you want to sample these things, um, you know, check out some of these things. A lot of these labels have um, samplers. I know you can go to do a, you know, Ripple Music has a, a pay what you want sampler of some of their bands. Uh, I was actually lucky enough to curate one of those. Um, and just pick some of my favorite artists to be on there. Um, and, and a lot of those are a pair you want on Bandcamp and you can go just get an idea of what these bands sound like and then kind of go from there. But yeah, I could spend, you know, hours just telling you the albums I'm listening to and that I want to uh, support. But those are, are some of the few that I would call out off the top of my head. Yeah. If I had to recommend a couple before we go, obviously the new Lachinga Primal Forces yeah. uh, is just an absolute rage. It's a great album. And I love, and it's on my top 10 of the third quarter, Fire Down Below. I mean, nice. That yeah. is, uh, that's an incredible record. It's like Clutch, Priest, all wrapped into one. It's really cool. And like when I say Priest, I'm not talking about Halford's vocals. I'm talking about that driving guitar, yeah. you know, merged with the beat and the drums that Priest was known for in the 80s with heading out to the highway. You got another mm-hmm. thing coming and all that kind of stuff. It's very reminds me of that. And you, you put that clutch element in it. It's it's just it's it's incredible. I feel like a certain element of the groove council might be might be having more influence on you than you think, Jay. Well, I've always been pretty open. You know, um, like I said, Lachinga and One Thousand Mods was like one of the first two bands that back in like 2017 or 18. You know. I don't know how I, I, I know a thousand mods was a result of me listening to Lachinga, but yeah, I, um, and Valley of the Sun, you know, it really impressed me and, and Sasquatch is great. I wanted to go see Freedom Hawk when they came in, but 
yeah, no, I, I've always liked it, but sometimes, I, sometimes when I get the list at the end of the quarter and I'm looking at the names and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but that's yeah. part of the fun of it. That's part of, uh, I mean, geez, I mean, look at the old wave of new, uh, the new wave of British heavy metal. You had bands like Tank and Holocaust and Witchfind and, you know, all these odd, crazy names at the time, too. So, well, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I appreciate the knowledge. I appreciate the conversation. I know people are going to enjoy it because it, you know, I, I think a lot of people wonder about the genre. And I think this is a good uh, start to the conversation. I look forward to having you on again because. I forgot to ask you the hook rocks question. So that's an excuse to have you back on in the future. But, uh, but thanks again for the time and, uh, and the chat. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. Thank you for having me and I appreciate it. And I'll come on anytime you ask me. So thank you. Awesome. Everyone that's rich. You can follow him on Twitter at fuzz doom rip. You can see all the notes and everything where you can find him in the show notes. So scroll down once you're listening and check out some of these bands. I'm telling you, if you like that old school metal that you grew up on, and if, even if you didn't grow up on it, you like Dio and Priest and Maiden, you're going to like these bands. I could guarantee it. Even Motorhead, if you like, if you're a Motorhead fan, that's another band that you, you'll you'll probably connect to these bands too as well. Once again, I'm Jay Scott, and this has been another episode of The Hook Rocks. Thank you very much for tuning in. Stay safe, take care of each other, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 